Welcome to season six of Soul Sessions with KK, the Aliyah series. Do you ever wonder how people leave everything behind and make a big move like Aliyah? Meet four brave women from different backgrounds and circumstances who made Aliyah. Some moved to Israel while they were single and some moved with their families. Whatever their journey, their stories will inspire you to take a little bit of Israel home with you or maybe even consider moving to Israel yourself. If you're thinking about potentially making Aliyah, I highly suggest just starting a conversation with Nefesh Benefesh and ask all of your questions. Please note that moving to Israel is a very serious decision that shouldn't be made without proper consultation, research, and strategy. Many have tried and failed, so it's important to do your due diligence. Hopefully, this series of four interviews will cover a lot of important ground. Enjoy the series. Hey everyone, welcome to part three of the Aliyah series, episode 41 with Rebecca Durham. Do you or someone you know live with a chronic illness and do you ever wonder what you could do to help yourself or someone else? Well, Rebecca is here with me today to talk to me about living with fibromyalgia, a chronic illness that makes your body go through excruciating pain and fatigue. As a food blogger in Israel, Rebecca has trained herself to stay away from inflammatory foods. In this interview, you will get a sneak peek into Rebecca's life. Growing up as a reformed Jew, Rebecca tells us how and why she left Memphis, Tennessee to live thousands of miles away in the holy city of Jerusalem. How does a Jew shift from a cultural perspective of Judaism to a more observant one? And how can one face the emotional and physical pain of a chronic illness, especially when they are not around their family? Well, Rebecca gives us a secret to living a healthy and wholesome life in this episode. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm here with the lovely Rebecca Durham. She is part of my Aliyah series, and she made Aliyah to Israel how many years ago? It will be five years in August. Five years in August, and she's going to be here to share some of her experiences about making Aliyah to Israel, what her experiences are like right now, and sharing her journey with chronic illness and various other things. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time that we wanted to do this, and I'm finally glad that we're able to do this. Yes, thank God. So, Rebecca, tell us about, from the beginning, why did you decide to move to Israel? Where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, basically, we have to go back to high school for a moment. Yeah. I did, I, after high school, I was like, I'm not ready to go to college. So, I did a program um someone was like why don't you do a gap year so I was like okay so I looked into it I did a program called Young Judea um it was like a very Zionistic program it's very different than it was when I did it like 10 years ago um so I don't really know what it's like now it's really funny what a small world we're in I used to work for Young Judea actually no way (laughs) yep really that's so funny yeah for Hadassah and I worked for Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, continue going. Wow, such a small world. Very okay, small so world. So then, well, um, so I did Young Judea. During the year, I was like, what What should I do? Should I go to college here? Should I go back to school? 
our go to school in Kansas, like I had planned. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to school, at least give it a try. And I know my goal is to make Aliyah. If anything, I'm making Aliyah, like right after I graduate college, done going to the army, doing all that. Really three years later, um, because my gap year counted as a year, um, I graduated college, had no job. Inter- I had like a million job interviews, um, but so I didn't, wasn't making plans for the summer. Um, then my friend was like, there's a two week trip, um, called Akiva with Rabbi Klatsko. And she was like, come on the trip. So I was like, why not? No one, like, I don't have a job yet. Like no job interview, like job has gone back to me. Um, I had one job that wanted me to do an interview in Memphis, but I didn't really want the job. And they were like, it's fine. Come back in two weeks. It was like working for the Jewish Federation. So like, they didn't care that I was going to Israel. I went to Israel and basically never left. It was exactly a week after I graduated college. My plan was always to come to Israel. Um, But then a year later, I made Aliyah. Um, I did a few programs in between and I made Aliyah that August. Yeah, (laughs) such a crazy. That's crazy. Would you say that being part of the Young Judea program, you were, you were, what were you doing there? You were a student of Young Judea? I was a student. I did, I did do Young Judea in high school, um, but I was a student on their gap year. So oh. I learned half of, like half of the time we learned and half the time we volunteered. And then two months of it, I did an army program. Would you say that Young Judea was the impetus to you moving to Israel or was it something else? I think it was the start to like me realizing that I could actually live in Israel. Um, I could actually live here. I think it wasn't until the next trip I came to Israel on with Hasbara fellowships that I realized that like I was making Aliyah. Like there's no questions asked. Like I'm making Aliyah because it felt as if I was coming home versus coming for a three-week trip or month trip, whatever, however long it was. Like, it didn't feel like I was coming on the trip. It felt like I was coming home. And I realized at that moment, I was like, I'm making Aliyah. My plan from like the year before, like, is happening. I'm making Aliyah after I graduate college. Right. I know hashkafically, there's a big difference between, let's say, like a reform organization and an Orthodox Jewish organization. But for you, did it make a difference for you as far as like the impact went like between Hasbara fellowships, let's say, which I think is Orthodox, it's Asia Torah and Young Judea. Like, what did you find to be the difference and what was more powerful for you? At that point in my life, I wasn't like really into it. I was like very culturally Jewish. So it didn't matter what kind of organization I went on. Um, at that point, I was more connected to like my Jewish identity. I wanted to live in Israel. I want to be here. So the impact of the two different trips, I would say at that point in my life, I wasn't really connected to like Judaism religiously. It was more of like a cultural environment for me. So it was more about like I needed to be around Jews and I needed the environment to be in Israel and like I don't know if I would say either of them impacted me 
in that way. Right. Um, but I didn't see it as like a religion thing. I saw it as a like culture, like let's go to Israel, let's be more connected to Judaism, but like not in a religious way. I don't know how if that makes any sense. No, that makes a lot of um, sense. So how did you become more observant? Because I know you didn't come from that background and, you know, you didn't go into it like that. Basically, really, like, it's kind of weird, but, like, I became religious. It just kind of all fell in place. I came to Israel after college and I on this Akiva trip, I learned about a program called Jewessence. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was for girls who didn't grow up religious. It was all about, like, how to be a Jewish woman and how to, like, be a part of the community. And I was like, oh, this is so me. Like, I want to, like, my life, I want to work in the Jewish world. Like, I'm going to be a Jewish woman. Like, I mean, I am a Jewish woman. Like, this is what I want. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay. Like, I don't really want this job at home. Like, I want th- I want to stay here. So I stayed and on that trip is like really when I started becoming religious because I realized that there was so much more than what I was taught um, growing up. Like I would learn part A of a story and maybe C, but never part B. And it was just like filling in the gaps until I went to Neve and then I started becoming more like even more religious and right. like stopped, like started keeping kosher and like, Dressing sneers and doing like mitzvahs and things like that. And yeah, 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 yeah. And how does that play out today? I mean, what parts of Judaism do you feel like apply to you today? And which ones are you like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not really into that anymore. I went into it in one way, but now I don't know if that's really for me. I definitely feel like after I left Neve, I had a lot of going back and trying to figure out what things I took on was me. Um, I know, like, for me now, like, I keep Shabbos. Like, I keep, like, kosher. I keep, like, halacha, and I do everything that, I'm, like, I, th- I should be doing or I try to do. I try to do to my best ability. Um but, like, the way I grew up is, like, completely different. I grew up in a reform community, culturally very Jewish, but didn't really practice anything, um, did not keep kosher. In Israel, is it easy to be observant? Because I get mixed, I get mixed reviews about that. Some people say it's so easy to be a Jew, a practicing Orthodox Jew, because you have, you know, Jewish people all over you. There's kosher restaurants. But then I have people who are like, it's really hard. You have Tel Aviv. You have yeah. the nightclubs. So what about with it's you? Interesting because, like, when I go outside of Jerusalem, it's very hard for me to, like, be rel- – not, like, obviously I, like, still do what I, like, do. But, like, I definitely have more taivas and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do this. But, like, I, it's not me. On one hand – is a lot easier like I don't have to worry there's kosher restaurants there there's like a shul every five steps I go to um majority of the people around me are Jewish and depending on what neighborhood I'm around religious Jews but I will say there are definitely spots and places in Israel that 
I do have like my taivas and like my heart comes out. I'm like, oh, I want to do this and that, but it's not me. I also feel being in Israel is in America, especially when you are in the day and in this like here of organizations, when you leave Israel, there's so many opportunities for you to feel connected. Whereas I think being living in Israel, being in a singles community is like, you don't have that. Like, I don't have like the community of like, Oh, here's a sheer once a week. Here's this once a week. Like, he right. like different opportunities to feel connected. So it just seems like all my friends, I mean, they also all live in New York or in like big Jewish communities where they have like an alumni group or a or different organizations um, where they have the, these opportunities where, whereas I feel like in Israel, unfortunately we don't have that. Like there isn't organizations that's like making sure once you leave your program or just anything, like, to keep you going. Mm, right. How is the community life in Israel? I found a community in Frenchville. Um, there's a lot of singles and a lot of younger couples. I feel like when you are single in Israel, you leave, your, like, leave seminary, you have a little, like, stage of you find friends, and then you kind of stick with the Anglos, Americans, like, that's who you like that's all your friends anyone who stayed but stayed after their seminary year you're friends with um like for me none of mine of a friend stayed so like all my friends are the baltuva i mean like like i'm the only baltuva in my friend group everyone else grew up religious and it's just like they all came from different seminaries do you find that living in yerushalayim helps you you know, keep your Judaism alive as opposed to living somewhere like Tel Aviv? For sure. Yeah. Like, 100%. I love this country and I love everything about it, but, like, Tel Aviv, for me, it just feels like a vacation. It's not my home, and here I feel at home, so I have to be, I don't know. Yeah, listen, baby. everybody, different strokes for different folks. Literally, you know, yeah, there's people totally. who... For me, it's going to work. Let's just, that's, yeah. Yeah. So, Rebecca, let's shift this conversation a little bit. Um, your Instagram handle is called Nosh by Rebecca. You are a food blogger. I think I was introduced to your account, I think, from Hadassah Cowlins. I'm not sure who exactly, but I was very fascinated by your page in particular because you're not just a typical food blogger. I know a lot of your recipes are for people who can't eat certain types of foods because of maybe a health issue or whatever. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with your food blogging venture? My whole Instagram is all because everyone kept saying, you're from the South, don't you miss co like food that's not kosher? Um, and I was like, yeah, obviously. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make Southern food my favorite non-kosher food kosher. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. I just started cooking and it was just like kind of went on its different stages. And it's showing people that it's not actually hard to keep kosher. You can eat everything that you ate before mm -hmm. and be kosher. There's Hashem, like I read this once that like Hashem has every option for something that's not kosher. He made something kosher. Like, Can you give an example like, of a food like, that, like, you're dying I, to have and then you made a kosher? 
Like, I just think of, like, bacon. Like, you can... There's so many amazing types of meat you can use to make bacon. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, The fact that, like, I can make a pizza with, like, meat and, like, vegan cheese, or you can go the other way. I don't eat dairy, so... Doesn't yeah. really always the meat. Right. Um Right. Like the fact that I don't have to worry, like I can still have my cheeseburger and like and be fine. Like there's nothing Right. I don't need a water. Mentioning that you are dairy free. You don't eat dairy. Um I also know that when we this were talking before, you were saying that you don't really have eggs so much. So I have fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Um a few about a year ago, I would say, I did a sensitivity test, and it's a food sensitivity test, and where they test what foods I'm sensitive to. Um, I always knew I was dairy-free, because um, I was lactose intolerant my entire life, but I still ate dairy. I didn't really care until I noticed it was causing my inflammation, um, so I stopped that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned through the sensitivity test that I am sensitive to eggs, um, yeast, and white potatoes. Mm-hmm. So I try to, yeast and dairy are like the things I have uh, completely cut out. Um, wow, that's like everything. I have, eggs I've learned I can eat when they're baked into something like a cake, brownies, a cookies, like things like that. Um, and potatoes, I do actually really try to stay completely away, but when you're going out for Shabbos meals, people yeah, think everything has like, potatoes in it. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely times I eat potato, like accidentally eat potatoes and like, I still make potato kugel. I just will not eat it, unfortunately. And it's really sad because right. it's really good. Yeah. But, yeah. What, when you say you had food sensitivities, like what, what did that entail? So it just, it's showing, it's like food that like causes my body to be in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I have dairy, it couldn't mean anything. Like I have once my, my hand swelled, I couldn't bend my finger. Um, I remember at one point during the whole process, I, it was like a very emotional time. Like I, couldn't get dressed because I couldn't move my body. Like my hands, I couldn't bend my hands to put like, I think it was like a winter and I couldn't pull up my tights or like do anything. It was like, it's sometimes extremely difficult. Um, I think also, um, like I also have like chronic headaches. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't, like, I do think it's is con- like connected to some kind of food. Um, but I'm not sure what. So do you only deal um, with it in a homeopathic way or like just by eating the foods that are good for you? Or do you also take medication for the fibromyalgia? So I, at the beginning, I would take a lot of medication, but I am, I have a very sensitive stomach and every medication just killed my stomach. Um, so... I have been trying to find as natural po- like things as possible um, because that like the medication just wasn't helping, and if it did help, the side effects were not like I couldn't live with the side effects. 
Mm-hmm. So that was like that was like the hardest part. So like that's how I started going to this natural path. I started using CBD. I started going to therapy. I started different things. Okay, so how did that affect your mental health? A lot. Okay, I'm gonna say this, and I don't know how. Like we're, I guess we're gonna go how see how deep it is. Um, but mo- most of my family does not know I'm in do therapy because for them therapy is like you need help, blah blah blah. And that's not okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There definitely could be things I've never told my family that I'm gonna share with you. Okay. Um, that I share with a lot of people, but like whatever. Basically, I got to a really low point. Um, at the beginning, like when I first started having symptoms, um, and I got extremely depressed and a lot of people kept saying, why don't you go to therapy? Why don't you go to therapy? Because a lot of, a lot of times like pain can cause, be caused by stress because it's caused by like things you haven't worked on the issues. And I started going to therapy and I, realized how much I did not know a lot about my body and how much I needed to work on myself before I could do anything. There's something called like somatic therapy. Basically, my therapist recommended me going to this one person um, to try to connect me, like my body and my pain, connect the two because she felt like there was a disconnect. When I would get, when I would be in a lot of pain, I would be so angry at life. Just felt like I wasn't connected to it and I needed to like really feel it and like understand it. So I went to this person where she was able to connect me to my pain. And like when I'm feeling pain in this one area, what brings up? What like brings up the tension? Like, mm-hmm. that's all connected. Like that. And then Corona hit and I just never went back to her. I was able to, I got enough skills to like, keep going even if I wasn't going to her where I can understand my body a lot better and I I feel with therapy and like with this and like with other different things I've done that like I've I've been able to connect to my body a lot more if I was on like just uh, medications like I don't think I would have ever found this wow and how is therapy helping you today with the COVID are you still in quarantine I am still in quarantine to Sunday wow I've basically been in quarantine for the last month. Um, I feel sorry. I'm sorry. Time. Must be very difficult. Sorry. How Have your feelings changed at all about Israel since the pandemic? Or do you feel like Israel's doing a pretty darn good job about it? I think at different points, I was like, oh, Israel's doing a great job. Because I was just in America, I realized I want to be in Israel more. I appreciate Israel so much more now. I do think Israel is doing a lot better than a lot of countries, um, or at least in America, in my point of view. Yeah. Like, doing better in, like, the whole corona situation. I actually feel a lot safer here. In America, you you don't think about not going places because you have a car. But in Israel, I mean, in New York, it could be different. But, like, and in Israel... I don't have a car, so I have to think about, am I going to go take a public bus or take the train to get somewhere and getting infected, like have a chance of getting infected or just not go anywhere. And I feel like a lot of times here, I don't go places because where I just walk more. But in America, I went everywhere. I felt like I was so exposed. It was really? like weird for me. That's so funny. But like, 
you miss the whole part of like traveling with other people and like sitting in a car for 15 minutes with your family and not a random stranger. Right. Right. Know where they, like your family's from, like you live with them. You do feel like Israel handled it maybe in a safer way. They're more responsible, I guess, to keeping the safety of the citizens. But do you feel like the lockdowns, obviously they had an effect on the mental health. I think, I believe the lockdowns, I don't like the whole lockdowns, except for the first one, they're not being strict. If you're not being strict, then there's no point of this lockdown because everyone's going out. Everyone's doing different things. I will say, I'm obviously I'm not going out, but I can tell like when I go to the roof, there are less people out on the streets right now. But people are still traveling. People are still doing things. And it's hurting like small businesses. I think lockdown's awful for small businesses, awful for mental health. I'm literally going nuts. I've been in this my like my apartment yeah. for the last, I think today's 24. The fact that like I've taken a million different ne- like negative corona tests, but I'm still not allowed to leave because according to Ms. Radabriu, like I can't leave it. I'm going crazy, and like so that my therapist is here, and like if I need her, I can call her. I I have the help, I have the ability, but not everyone has that. Yeah, like, yeah. And so- thank God I have like this little community here in Frenchill where, like, yes, we there's like five apartments. We all like rotate, so we go to each other. So like during, and we're all like within our. 500, 100 kilometer, whatever, one kilometer, 500 meters, whatever the rules are right now. Like, we're all within that, basically. Right. And we hang out because none of us have families. We all, like, need a little community. And, like, I don't feel bad, like, breaking the rules just to go hang out with other people because we're only hanging out with ourselves. We're it's not like you're in your own pod. Like we're in you, a pod. Yeah, you guys are and in our own pod. <laughs> Except to win our own little pod got Corona. Oh, no. <laughs> so we do, but like, whatever. Right. Um, so <laughs> one of the things you mentioned was kind of a frustration with the lockdown and the bureaucracy of Israel, which many, many, many people complain about. How, yes. do, you, how do you deal with that when in America everything is more, more or less like easy to get? Like you want something, it's more simple. How do you deal with Israel's bureaucracy? Um, I take a breath (laughs) and I inhale, exhale, and I be a little Israeli sometimes. (laughs) Um, I know like when it comes to medical things, I love them as much as possible. Um, How's the healthcare like in Israel? It's okay. It's not um it's not amazing and it's not awful. Like thank God like I have healthcare. It's not crazy. It's not expensive at all. Like I think it's about right. 80 shekels a month maybe and I have like one of the high like the highest level uh in my kupa and in my insurance company and um but like I'm trying, been trying to get to, to see my rheumatologist for four months. I mean, by the time I see him, I think it will be four months since I wanted to see him when I was in the emergency room. So sometimes you, it's not fun, but my rheumatologist is supposed to be one of the best in the country. So 
Right. It makes sense. A little busy, but at the same time, most of the doctors, they have, like, my doctor only works for my health insurance two days a week. Mm. So I only can see him two days a week. Like, there's only if I want to make an appointment. And you have a so, chronic, you have a chronic illness. Fibromyalgia is no joke. Yes. And you're not taking medication for it. Yes. So... So, like, when I went to the emergency room before my trip, it was, like, I needed to speak to, like, get a hold of my doctor. I needed to go in. Um, but there was literally no appointments. And I was leaving a week later. Like, I was leaving a week later. So, like, really, part of it was, like, my fault. I could have like, canceled the trip just to go to the doctor, but I wasn't going to do that. But. Right. Can you tell me about the emergency room incident? What happened that led you to the emergency room? So I had inflammation in my chest um, because, and it was like, because it was, I couldn't breathe um, in my chest. And because of Corona, um, I had to go to a whole different like emergency room and I had to do all this. Um, I had to get Corona tested, was alone. And I, I physically like, I couldn't breathe for like two days straight. It was so hard to do anything. Um, I still, if I overdo myself, I sometimes still have chest pain. Supposedly it's like pretty common in fibromyalgia patients to get chest pains mm -hmm. um, like that, where like they, there's literally no other sim like things to show the proof, except that I had a little inflammation in one of my lungs. Sorry to hear that. Um, but it felt, and it felt like someone was like stabbing me. So right. that was fun. So, wow, I'm really sorry about that. Um, how do you manage, how do you manage the pain? Well, let's say you do get an inflammation. You by mistake ate a little bit dairy or something that you shouldn't have eaten and you get an attack. You don't take medication. So what are some ways you manage the pain? Um, so I use CBD creams. Nice. I use oils cbd oils my hot water bottle is my lifesaver what does that do um my hot water bottle it just it's amazing just fill it up with hot water and it's like warm perfect on the muscle oh right um on the inflammation area um a hot shower if it's really bad i just have to stay in bed mm -hmm. but thank god like since i've cut out foods i I think I've only really had to stay in bed like once this whole time. Um, and I think it was just like, I was like extremely stressed and it was just- Right, it flares up from stress too. It can yes, flare up with also. stress, right. Yeah. Rebecca, do you have a message for anyone who's listening to this that is suffering in silence with a chronic illness? You, I mean, you're, thank God you're open about it and therefore, you're able to help others who want to reach out. But there are people who, for whatever reason, they can't open up about it. Only a few people might know about their chronic illness. Is there a message that you want to send to the people listening who have a chronic illness? Yeah, so my biggest thing is if, like, your pain is real. Like, if, if anyone out there is suffering with pain, like, your pain is real and nobody can tell you it's not. Um, I don't know how, like, it wasn't until, like, 
until I went to the hot, like the emergency room, my general doctor here in Israel um, believed me that I have fibromyalgia. He did not believe me. Yes, I know I need to get a new a doctor, but oh whatever, that's a different story. But um, it wasn't until then my doctor finally believed me. And like, don't ever live with someone a doctor that doesn't believe me. Believe you? Go find a new doctor. Yeah. Um. That's how I found my rheumatologist. I finally found someone who believed that my pain was real, and that's when I could. I felt like I was starting to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be open with people around you. I know it's really scary, and it is really hard when people are like, "Oh, you always are complaining. You're in pain. This, that." Right. Um, right. But like, I feel like my true friends have like learned. When I actually say something that I'm in pain, it really means I am in a lot of pain today. Yesterday, Mm -hmm. I might have been in pain, but today I'm in a lot of pain that I'm actually telling you I'm in pain. Um, And I think they've learned that when I actually say something, like, they are, they are, like, they are there no matter what. They will do anything. They'll go get me something. They'll do whatever I need. Um, But they know that, like, if I say something, like, that means I'm really in pain. And that, like, don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to, like, talk to your friends. And find the right people. Yeah. Find the right people exactly. who you can express you yourself to. Find the right people. Yeah. yeah. And if you've, like, you really, like, that is important. You have to find the right people. Because you have to, like, you can't do this alone. No. I think so many people are just so uncomfortable with Yeah pain whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or mental pain most people try to numb it and try to like i don't they don't want to deal with it because it's it's too much it's too much to deal with and they can't even deal with their own pain let alone someone else's pain so to find someone who can just sit there with your sadness or your pain or your anger that's a beautiful thing. And it's it's a very hard thing to do, but I think it's incredibly healing for a relationship and for yourself yeah. to find people who are actually there for you, not just shoot the crap with or people who just run to you when they need you, but who are just there for you unconditionally. It's true. And who love you no matter what. The good, the bad, the yucky, everything. It's very true. You have, like, I feel like that's it. That, like, literally ties up my whole journey in life, basically. Like, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my friends. I wouldn't have made Aliyah. I wouldn't have become religious. I wouldn't have been able to deal with my pain. I wouldn't have been able to do anything if it wasn't for the people I surrounded myself because... They understand me, they accept me, and they are there for me. They don't judge me. You have to find people in your life who accept you for who you are. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, I feel extremely blessed every day that I have friends who are there for me. That's beautiful. And, like, I am so thankful. That's really something to be thankful about. Unfortunately, I know... So many people that don't really have any true and real friendships that even with their closest friends, 
they can't even open up because there's so judgment. Sad. There's, mm, you can't even talk about anything that you would talk to a person you trust because they're judging you or they don't get it. So it's a true blessing to have real and authentic friendships, mm -hmm. especially when you live mm -hmm. in a country where you don't have your family and it's a totally different culture from how you grew up to have like-minded individuals who accept you for who you are, for your strengths yes. and your weaknesses, your pain and your happiness. That is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So, so thankful. Yeah. Rebecca, can you, um, can you tell the audience your hopes and dreams for yourself? Just one one uh, thing yeah, that you do. I really just hope that like I can like inspire or touch at least one person out there who like can realize like their pain is real. You don't understand how many people have messaged me on my Instagram saying, Well, thank you for sharing. You've gone like allowed me to share my story, things like that. I want more people to share their story, to be open and accept that this is their reality. And unfortunately, like we have to live with it. We like, I'm a really big believer that everything that is like we are given, like is for good. Like Hashem only gives us that's good, what is good. And Hashem gave me this pain for a reason. Like I want to inspire people. I want to like teach people that it's okay that you are in pain and tomorrow's going to be better. Like an hour could be even better. Like, Unfortunately, like this is like living with a chronic illness. You don't you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like, but you do know that it's going to be good no matter what. And even if it's extremely difficult. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just I really hope that like someone out there can benefit from it, um, from like my pain and hearing my story. And even like I even hear like people saying talking about like becoming religious i like i just hope that like i'm a normal person like i want to show other people that you can be religious and be a normal person and you don't have yeah. to be this crazy dream person like yeah I, like i am a normal human and like i don't know for me when i was becoming religious i felt like i only saw these like people who are Black hat, people, yeah. black hat, everything. And you didn't see normal human being. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed of my past. I am who I am because of my past. But like, I love every moment today. Um, and I am a normal human that I just want to share like good in the world. And like, that's all I hope to do. I don't know. Oh, man. Beautiful. And that's what brought me to you because you did bring that light to my life. There was a point in my life where I did experience chronic pain. It was about eight years ago. And everything you said today in this interview, I resonated with because I went through seven months of having very bad pain throughout my body. And I felt like nobody understood me and I felt very lonely and for you yeah for you to share your journey with me and for whoever's listening 
you're helping us feel less alone and that there are real people out there who can help okay. you and they'll be by your side. And I want to thank you for sharing your whole Jewish journey to Israel, to observant Judaism, um, your fibromyalgia, what you had to do with your diet, just everything about you is fascinating and you are you are a gem. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Can Thanks you, of course, can you tell us where people can find you if they want to connect with you, they want to ask you a question and they want to reach out? So you can um, find me on Instagram, Nash by Rebecca. I also have a Facebook page, Nash by Rebecca as well. Um, you can definitely DM me on either accounts and reach out to me, like, really, like, reach out to me, like, don't feel like you're ever alone. Like, I know what it feels like, don't, don't feel like you're alone. You're not alone. You're, we're, there's so many people out there. I literally, like, I feel like every day I find a new person I can connect to. It's beautiful. Which is sad and also amazing at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Thank you so much, Rebecca. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.